This is Infants on Thrones. I had been living in New York and working there as an actor and director and choreographer for 25 years or so, and I really felt I needed a change. I got to tell you, we are very, very excited about the big show that's happening at the end of the festival. Well, we've traveled long and far today. We must let the women and children rest. Don't you rest on our account, Daniel Potter. We women are just as strong and resilient as you men. Ha, ha, ha. I do believe you are, Rebecca. I do believe you are. California will be a sight for these weary eyes. Mine as well, Rebecca. Mine as well. But right now we need a campfire to warm our souls and to cook our food. Done. Where are we? How did we get here? Is this a dream? <gasps> Look, what is it? I don't know, it looks like one of them new feed storage bins. That ain't no feed storage bin. How did it get here? It must have flew. Citizens of Blaine, do not be alarmed. We will not harm you. We come in peace from a planet far, far away. A place we call Mars. For you see, nothing ever happens on Mars. No sports or entertainment or strength on Mars. Stand around, you stand some more. On a planet named for a Roman god of war. Nothing ever happens on Mars. No supersonic airplanes, no sporty cars. The sun You can't go to town Boring, 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 boring This is Infants on Thrones The philosophies of men mingled with humans We are the core Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and if you're wondering what the heck that two-minute intro was about, then you haven't seen the movie Waiting for Guffman. And if you haven't seen the movie Waiting for Guffman, well, then I guess you're all just... Well, why don't you tell them what they are, Corky? You're bastard people. That's what you are. You're just bastard people, and I'm going home, and I'm going to... I'm going to bite my pillow is what I'm going to do. Wow, you guys should really go see Waiting for Guffman before Corky bites onto something worse. So today we're going to finish the script reading of How to Marry a Mormon. And if you haven't heard part one, then stop this now and go listen to part one, because this really won't make a lot of sense if you haven't already heard the first half of the story. Now, unfortunately, we weren't able to get a full quorum for this reading. Matt wasn't able to join us. And then we lost Jake towards the end due to internet issues. But most of us are here. It isn't quite as rowdy and raucous as the first time that we all looked at this silly script of mine, but we do have our moments. So just to remind you where we are in these three storylines, our non-Mormon Jack has been recruited by Jill's father to play a role in his Christmas road show, A Very Nephite Christmas which was largely inspired by the cheesiness of Waiting for Guffman. 
Elder Jared Moore has left his mission area in Mexico City to travel up to Utah so that he can stop Jill from getting together with Jack, and he's spreading the gospel like crazy and converting dozens of people along the way. And then Dennis and Sydney are flying from New York to Utah, with Dennis posing as a uh, crudely stereotyped male flight attendant. Now, like I said, we did have some internet issues with the recording, so the sound isn't always great, so bear with us through the bad audio, as well as the bad dialogue, until we eventually get to the really bad roadshow and the even badder multiple endings. Ready? All right, here we go. So what did you guys think listening back to it, though, or any other comments? I thought it was pretty funny, but I don't know how funny it would be to outsiders, but I thought it was pretty hilarious to listen to. I, I really loved listening back to it. I thought, I, I, like, as soon as we finished recording last time, I I just thought, oh, my gosh, this is awful. I felt so bad. But then <laughs> I, I thought, I'm there's no way I'm going to be able to listen back to that thing. But I listened back to it the next day, and I, I it, it was just fun. There was a lot of energy in it, so... Okay, so we are starting with uh, internal mission home. Elder Snell sifts through the mail and finds all four of Elder Moore's letters bundled together. President, we got this stack of letters from Moore and Adams. Let me see that. The president looks through the letters. <laughs> wait, wait, is this President Oaks? Yeah. Oh, wait. Okay. Is it? yeah. Okay. It's yeah. awesome. Okay. It's great. All, Do it. All of Bob's Mormon male voices are Oaks. Are Oaks, right? <laughs> I've seen this sort of thing before, Elder. These missionaries have gone AWOL. They wrote these in advance to keep us in the dark. These were meant to be sent in one at a time. Let this be a lesson, Elder Snell. You can never fool a servant of the Lord. What are we going to do? We're going to find them, and we're going to bring them back. I have just the man for the job. You don't mean... I do. (gasps) All right. And then we've got a series of shots with Elder Stephen Araskanudson the third. But uh, did you guys ever hear this story? Because this is like one of the most popular uh, Mormon missionary folklore stories that we had in the the archives when I was ar- archiving stories in the folklore archives. It's called the unauthorized. Uh, trip, I think is what it's called. But it's, it's where the missionaries prepare all these letters in advance, and they send them in. There's a, there's a mix-up, and the mission president figures it out and catches them. And so the moral of the story is you can never fool. Did you guys ever hear, hear that? No. Like missionaries yeah. that are like traveling from, they're going outside of the their area or something like that yeah this is sort of similar to the to the you know if somebody dies or gets hurt it's like which commandment did they break they must have been out past 9 30 that's why his arm got chopped off yeah yeah it's a little more specific though with like going outside of your mission boundaries and being caught My, my favorite version of that unauthorized trip story was where these these missionaries are outside of their area and they pull over at a gas station to fill up and the pay phone starts to ring. And so they go and they answer it. And it's the mission president saying, I know where you guys are. Get back to the apartment right now. Wowzers. Wow. God can see everything. Anyway. Yeah. I heard, I heard this one, the same iteration of it where, you know, you send the letters and then they all get sent at once and that's how they find out. But I, I see. I took a different lesson from it. It was like you got to be careful. You can never trust right. somebody else to send in your yeah, letters. You got to right. do it yourself. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, if you really want to lock this down, you can't leave it. It's something is that big of a variable out hanging around to somebody else to do. <laughs> yeah, and and it may have it may have been lost in our 
a reading of it the last time we did this, but there was that exchange where Matt was reading the, uh, uh, you know, housekeeping, the, the landlady, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, what I was trying to go for with that was that Elder Moore's Spanish was not nearly as good as it, he thought that it was. And mm-hmm. so he was giving her these instructions and she's just like, whatever. And she mails them all in at one time. But anyway, that's what I was going for. So uh, now we're at a series of shots. Elder Stephen Raskinutes the third over the action. We hear a fifth of Beethoven by ELO as Knudsen really struts his stuff. Elder Stephen Raskinusen III, in Terminator-like fashion, dresses in front of a mirror. He brushes his teeth, slicks back his hair, straightens his tie, and secures his black missionary name tag. Finally, he puts on not-so-cool-looking pair of black sunglasses. He exits his apartment in a bad side of a Mexican town. Through his red-tinted Terminator point of view, we see, a, we see crowds of people part like the Red Sea as he walks through them. He sees a woman smoking a cigarette about ten feet away. With a Jedi-like wave of his hand, the cigarette flies from her mouth and is magically snuffed out on the ground. He turns to see a wino drinking from a brown paper bag. Knutson waves his hand. The wino stops drinking, looks curiously inside the bottle, then pours it onto the street. The dark purple liquid turns clear. Wine turned to water. Which I just... It's like a Mormon superhero. Right, right. And like, he's doing the opposite of what Jesus did. <laughs> Knudsen passes a woman in cut-off jeans and a bikini top. He waves his hand. The woman is spun around as if in a whirlwind. Then uh, when she stops, she's dressed like a 1950s librarian. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, hair, hair up in a bun or, or down and wavy? Which which uh, which angle are you going for? The glasses uh, on or off? Which bun. porn scene are you going for? Bun. Yeah, I'm bun. thinking like top four buttons not done up. Yeah, right. <laughs> Knudsen passes a Coke machine. He looks at it through his Terminator-like sunglasses. It explodes. <laughs> Knudsen passes a rough-looking biker gang, all covered in leather and tattoos. With a wave of his hand, all the bikers' facial hair falls off and their tattoos burn away into plain, clean skin. He kneels to the ground, examines a small sunflower seed shell, turns precisely to the north, and stomps determinedly away. He's picked up the scent. <laughs> External, rural Mexico day. The bus has broken down by the side of the river. All of the passengers stand on the side, dripping wet from having just been baptized by Elder Moore. Moore stands in the river and baptizes the big, mean-looking Mexican guy from the bus. He And their chickens, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, see, I was thinking right. maybe he should baptize the chickens. Right, like, we're yeah. already in that surreal space anyway. <laughs> Why not? The, chi- the, the chickens are also the, dripping. The Knutson was kind of like... Um, Raising Arizona, you know the the last horseman of the apocalypse or whatever in that. He's not I don't there. remember that movie. He might, uh, okay. maybe, yeah. Well, anyway, just in other words, because he didn't even talk, right? He's just doing all of this very silent, badassy thing. Yeah, he was. He's like the Terminator. Like I'm picturing the ter- the Terminator, Terminator from the second Terminator okay. movie. You know the right. I forget gotcha. the actor, the plane. Yeah. Okay, so the the Mexican man comes out of the water and joins the others, smiling and radiant on the shore. More walks to the bus driver. I'm sorry about your bus breaking down. It was an act of God. How else will I have learned the valuable truths you have to share? You're a good man. I will forever be thankful. Good luck on your journey. Les, come on. All of the dripping passengers wave goodbye. Moore and Adams walk triumphant into an exaggerated sunset. Uh, okay, so external rural Mexico day. Moore and Adams walk along to a fork in the road. 
See this, this, this so far the script has taken like a, a super like a, like a left turn into like the surreal like yeah nothing, nothing's realistic anymore. Before it was like here's a kind of semi realistic depiction of Mormon life in Utah you know Utah at Christmas and with the family and the Jello and then all of a, now all of a sudden we're like in fantasy world where he's turning water into wine. There's like the mass baptism. They're just they're just walking around on the road in Mexico. That's yeah. great. Well I, well, I guess, but I think, you know, like the way that I pictured even the first half was like, if you think about that stupid restaurant scene where all these things are going crazy, like to me, that's still that heightened reality kind of thing. I don't know. But yeah. Right. right. So you're like, you went, you're just cutting from a, a more and Adam scene to another more and Adam scene. So is that like a, a swipe across or is that yeah. a, a wipe to black or? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah, with the land speeder across. With the, the land thing. speeder, okay. yeah, right. <laughs> Got it. So they walk to a fork in the road. We've done well, Les. We're making good time. We're spreading the word. But now we need some guidance. What do you think? <laughs> Adam scans both roads with an overly ridiculous gaze. He samples the dirt from each path between his fingers. Without a word, he takes three exaggerated strides down the path to the left. He returns and does the same for the right. He stops and signals for more to join him. This is the place. Choose the right. Take the road less traveled. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Go ahead and shoot us now. Right. That's actually the scripted line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> so that's like the fourth wall there, right? Yeah. He looks at the camera and says, Go ahead and shoot us now. Yeah. Okay. Inside the airplane, Dennis and Sydney sit on the last row. Catherine pours drinks in the galley behind them. Okay. So tell me what you guys believe. Like what? I don't know. Like religious stuff, like heaven and hell. Eh, we don't really have a heaven and hell. You don't? No. It's more like different levels of heaven, degrees. No hell? How does that work? Well, there's a temporary place right after you die where you go if you've been bad. It's called spirit prison. But after that, we get resurrected and we get put in one of the heavens. One of them? Yeah, they usually talk about them in threes. The highest is where God is, and there's actually more... There's, But there's actually more to it than that. It's really not so much of a place as a state of existence. Even the lowest one, the one where murderers and stuff, even that place is supposed to be awesome. Even that place is heaven. We don't really have a hell. A Mormon celebrity enters. Who? <laughs> just any Mormon celebrity, whoever. Donnie Osmond. That's whoever matter. we could get to take the role. It's just Mormon celebrity. Steve Maybe Martin. he's got. A, he's Martin. probably got a sign on his shirt that says Mormon celebrity or something. See if you can get Thurl Bailey. Yeah, right. It's always or impressive Gladys to Knight. have a, a six nine black guy. Yeah. Excuse me, is this seat taken? What are you doing here? Doesn't every Mormon movie need a Mormon celebrity cameo? No. Oh. oh, Dennis points to the galley. Get out. Thanks. I see, what, I, I see what you're going for there. You're, you're making oh, fun of all of the cameos in Singles Ward. Yep. So it's just, yeah, just cameo after cameo. Yep. Catherine stands with the emergency exit door open and a parachute in her hands. The Mormon celebrity takes the parachute and jumps from the plane. <laughs> That's great. Uh, where were we? You were saying that Mormonism has no eternal punishment. Well, if someone has a perfect understanding of Christ and then they flat out reject him, then they don't go to any heaven. I guess that's eternal punishment, but that's supposed to be really rare. And even even if it's a matter of choice, it's it's what they want for, for, for whatever reason because they don't want the whole heaven thing. Huh. That's actually a pretty cool belief. Uh. I think so. <laughs> 
I thought it was unending explication. You know, I, it's like look, the discussion. I was sifting out the baby from the bathwater, John. I really like this. <laughs> it's like the discussions, right? It is. <laughs> I know. Did, did, does he uh, does he pull out a flannel board with uh, you know visuals? I'll, I'll put that in the next version. All right. And, and you made it sound so, like, not that bad. Like, oh, you know, if you don't go to heaven, it's this other thing. I don't know what to call it. I'm not going to say hell. I'm not going to say, you know, eternal darkness. It's just... It's not I'm, not gonna use the, I'm not going to use the word telestial that I've already decided is, is pretty good. <laughs> That's a Joseph Smith quote. Telestial is awesome. You'd kill yourself if you could go there, John. Yeah. No, I'm saying that the word is lame. Oh, okay. In other words, Glenn has already said that he's already decided at this point that that's a lame word. Oh, I hadn't. No, but I hadn't. Yeah. I hadn't at this point. The the, oh, okay. the the telestial thing happened years after this. But okay, yeah. Dennis. So Sydney says that's actually a pretty cool belief. You said that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. I, I, okay. I think so. To be able to get to do what you want and still get into heaven. So if everyone gets into heaven, even the murderers and stuff, what's the point of being good? I don't know. Just for the sake of being good, I guess. But you could be a total jerk and still get into heaven. Dennis leans over and puts his hand on Sydney's leg. You could pretty much do anything. <laughs> Sydney smiles and leans forward to whisper in her e- his ear. Well, you couldn't. All right. Catherine Catherine Eve- <laughs> eavesdrops from her spot in the galley. She squints suspiciously and turns away. Because that's not the sort of thing that a gay man like flight attendant would do, right? Oh, I forgot that I'm flamboyantly offensive gay man. <laughs> right, right, right. God. Why, uh, why is that so offensive, the by the way? Scene. No, but, but this is a No, no, you've already dropped cover. That's the point. That's how Catherine's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. That's right. Catherine's on to you. Yeah, you, you read it exactly right. But, but like, you know, that one guy in our comments that was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to go listen to it three more times. And then the next time he's like, oh, no, it was too offensive. I couldn't get past it. Is that is that really offensive, John? No. Uh, yeah. Is it? No, I don't know. My, I don't know. I wasn't offended. I don't know. <laughs> so, who knows? I mean, it was like there's like I mean, there's a thing where that this is a, this is a stereotype, which is also commonly the case, which is that flight attendant male flight attendants are often gay, right? I have a lot of friends who are flight attendants and, who and are gay. It's just Dennis being a dweeb. But, well, I uh, thought we had a, like an exempt card because this is meta, and Glenn is sort of psychoanalyzing himself from 15 years ago or whatever. It's not like we're supporting this gay stereotype actively right. today so like what's well, to be yeah, offended you know, about yeah yeah so so if this was like a regular mormon singles ward type movie it would be totally offensive because conservatives especially anti-mormon i'm sorry anti-gay bigots like mormons are not allowed to make <laughs> those kind of jokes but you know it, so that would be offensive but you know we don't have it's not offensive hey, for have, us have you guys seen it. the the right will will ferrell uh kevin hart movie get hard no, I heard it was oh, awful. No. It's terrible. Like, I mean, it is terrible. But they do these kinds of stereotypes. That, like, they go way further than this, like, Mormon nom guy that I was 12 years ago went. Yeah, but Will Ferrell is not, you know, like, actively engaged in anti-bigotry. <laughs> Bigotry. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's, so, so that's words, the offensive he's, part. He's superseded that. It's coming from, in other words, if it's coming from a community that is, you know, that isn't self-reflective enough and that is making fun of people outside of itself who it also internally denigrates constantly, yeah. then obviously then that, that's not legitimate realm for humor. Okay. You know? 
Glenn, did you did you read um, my response and his response to my response? Remind me. So I told him. Um, so you were offended by a oh, right, ca- yeah. a character who was established as being a consummate douchebag, right? Yeah, making the choice yeah. as a, uh, to play a, a flight attendant as a flamboyantly gay person. You, you took that offensively. I mean, he was already established as a douchebag, and then he, and then the name of the guy is Thomas Moore. He uh, he backed off. Well, well from the beginning, I think what he was saying is like. I, I can't listen to this again, but this is this is my thing. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Th- I think we're being defensive. I think we got defensive about that when we didn't need to, because I don't think he was saying no, you guys cool. are being a. F- yeah, he, he was cool. He was just like, sure. oh, I, I, it's just I can't listen to this again because it's too. It hits too close to home for me. But you know, right? But the the, the answer that John just gave about like. A Mormon group that is known for being bigoted doesn't have permission to joke around about this sort of thing. That's mm-hmm. illuminating. So that, that's that's kind of what I was why I asked the question. I wanted to understand where is the offense mm. in, in someone like me twelve years ago doing something like that. And that that I like that answer. That, that's right. good. Okay, so uh, we're back on the airplane. We've just done another swipe. Right. And uh, Dennis comes out of the lavatory. <laughs> Catherine approaches him slowly until she's just an inch from his face. Well, hello. Hello. <laughs> back to the offensive voice. Yeah. Right, we're back. <laughs> so, do you fly this route often? What, are you drunk? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> all the time. You know, I haven't seen you around before. Oh, trust me, honey, I get around. Really? Because I have a layover coming <laughs> up in Phoenix, and I was thinking that maybe... She moves in closer. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't too much trouble... She walks her fingers up his arm. Uh-huh. <laughs> she moves in closer. Dennis closes his eyes and moves in for a kiss. That's a really nice bana- bandana. <laughs> oh, banana. Banana. <laughs> <laughs> banana. Oh, I, know I read it as banana about. the first time. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really nice banana. So what does she do with the banana? Glenn? Camel toes. <laughs> oh, cut that out. <laughs> oh, sure. I can't say the camel toe thing. No, right. only not, not in context with the banana. That's that's just that's just that's that's poor offensive. taste. Okay, <laughs> poor she, taste, sir. All right. Well, <laughs> so 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 the next direction is she pulls it tight, and remember, we're talking about a bandana. Oh, Oh, Glenn, man, you're killing me. Catherine picks up a telephone headset from the galley wall. Captain, we have a stowaway. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you doing? I see you've been cured of your lisp. Sydney enters. What's going on in here? We're landing this plane. No, please. Nice try, flyboy. Catherine exits. What would a Mormon girl do now? Pray. Yeah. Okay. All right. Inside uh, the church cultural hall, Jerry stands in front of the stage, pointing and gesturing with a small group of people dressed in Nephite costumes, including all of Jerry's children. The piano plays in the background. Some cast members practice their singing and dancing. Jill enters in costume, a script in her hand. She grabs Jerry by the arm and pulls him off to the side. Dad, you can't be serious about this. About what? You have Jack playing the son of non-believers? Yes, but he comes around in the end. After he's converted by the Nephite missionaries. I don't have any Nephite missionaries, you know. That's not a bad idea. You have written that Jack's character converts. Right, because he falls in love with my daughter. 
don't you like that story? It's a bit much. It's a great character arc. Maybe for you, ever since he got here, you've told him too many times in too many ways that you want him to be Mormon. And then you go and write this? He won't remember. Besides, what are you complaining about? We end with a big happy wedding. I wrote that just for you. Yeah, (laughs) some happy wedding. Right after all the non-believers have been killed. Some of them repent. You can't do this, Dad. I don't want Jack to see this. Too late. He's reading through it as we speak. And I think he really likes it. Jack sits alone in a far corner looking through the script. Jerry approaches. So, what do you think? Uh, It's, uh... Pretty good, huh? After all these years, I have a sense for these things. I wrote those new scenes just for you. I could tell. So, any questions about your role? It it seems pretty straightforward. Well, I realize you're kind of new to all this, so I didn't want to overwhelm you. Right. Uh, It's nice to not have to remember any lines. Oh, you have lines. He points to the script. Here and here and all through here. Oh, I nod and say yes? Several times. And don't forget the big ending. You've got the last line for the whole thing. That little bang that makes the whole thing fly. I do. You bet your G's a Pete you do. Of course, I took some liberties with the language because we don't really know how exactly how people spoke back then. But the scriptures provide a pretty good guide. Glad you're on board. <laughs> All right, everyone. So we're ready to block this thing. So, so the scriptures provide a pretty good guide of 15th century uh, English. That's probably how they talked back in 600 BC. Yeah, yeah. In in Guatemala, that thou thou dost not think that that is true. <laughs> I I dost not. I don't know. Thou thou, thou haven't hast hastn't thou seenest the Book of Mormon, Volume One? And it came to pass. I haven't. <laughs> Without <laughs> no, yeah, that wishes that Joseph Smith knew how to compose in 15th century English. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> All right. Exterior, rural Mexico. The small group of Mexican converts by the river sing the Spirit of God in beautiful harmony by the side of the broken down bus, which they have renovated into a makeshift chapel. Elder Knudsen marches into their midst. He bends down and picks up another sunflower seed. The bus driver approaches him warmly. Elder, we are so happy to see you. Knudsen scrutinizes him up and down with his Terminator-like vision. He removes the sunglasses and glares unblinkingly into the bus driver's eyes. What happened here? The bus broke down and we all found God. Were you baptized? (laughs) Is is he from Transylvania now? (laughs) And now we're going to suck your blood. (laughs) Oh, God. Back into character. (laughs) Were you baptized? Yes. Oh, yes. By one holding the proper authority? Yes, we are so happy. <laughs> we have been reading the Book of Mormon. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you count, count Shakula. Count the Book of Mormon. One baptism. Two baptisms. Three chickens. One uh, Nephi. Uh, two uh, Nephi. <laughs> three Nephi. Four. <laughs> Can I see your paperwork? Paperwork? <laughs> the paperwork that shows all of this is official. I'm sorry. We don't have paperwork. Then I'm sorry. It's not official. The crowd of Mexican converts stop singing on a very sour note. They slouch their shoulders in disappointment. Knudsen waves his arm. The van engine miraculously starts. Get these people back where they belong. And the next time you think of joining this church, make sure you do it the right way. 
This is a house of order. Now, if you'll excuse me... Knutson slides on his sunglasses for effect. I have some renegades to catch. Knutson marches away. The disgusted bus driver tosses his Book of Mormon aside and spits on the ground in Knutson's wake. Did you have a, a, a missionary in Japan that was like this? Oh, there's tons of people that... Yeah, actually, there was, there was a guy named uh, Williams that was just... Uh, yeah, he, he he's the guy that uh, I don't know if you've heard me tell the story before, but but uh, the, the punchline was he says, uh, "Did you feel the spirit during your baptism interview?" Because we'd had some conflict earlier that day, and I said, "Oh yeah, I felt the spirit." He goes, "Oh, the spirit confirmed to you that it was okay for these people to be baptized?" I said, "Yeah," and he goes, "Wow, it's amazing that you can feel the both spirits at the same time." <laughs> okay, I, I remember that story, and I just wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah, he was just an. He was just an ass, and it was like everything was by the book. His companion once fell on his bike as they were going to meet the mission president. He scraped up his knee, and he just left him there in the dust because he didn't want to be late for the meeting with the mission president. I just, I, I, I couldn't stand this guy. Wait a second, but so he chose breaking, breaking the one rule over the other. Stills. Yeah. No, it was all like for him. It was all about appearances and promotion, mm-hmm. and you know, like he, he was his own leader who wanted to be AP, and he, you know. That's where his priorities were. So yeah, there were there were a lot of people that were like that. Did he make it to AP? He did. They usually do. See, that's how you do it. Yeah. They usually yeah. do. The assholes yeah. almost always do. Did, did and, you and make then, it to be AP, Glenn? No, no, I didn't make it to Stone Leader. Um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, you, you guys remember Brad that that was uh, one of my missionary companions. He's done a couple episodes with us before. He did. The, oh yeah, uh, I remember. Yeah, he did one. He did a listener essay. Yeah. So so we had Brad crank call this guy after he became AP and pretend that he was an anonymous missionary in his zone somewhere that was having problems with wet dreams and what should he do. <laughs> <laughs> It was fun. Anyway. So, what did he yeah, say? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. We we tape recorded it. But I I don't remember what he said. It was just, you know, but but it was like he he's he felt the gravity of his position and that now he could be, you know, he, he could be in a place where he could really help people and he was just really trying to help him and uh, Do you get uh, when I was a district or zone leader, um I had to interview um uh potential baptismal uh, you know, converts. And the very last question was so fucking awkward. Have you ever been involved in a serious crime, abortion, or homosexual or lesbian activity? And I had to, before, before I had to ask that question, I had to say, if you, have, if you answer yes to any of these, um, the interview's over, and we'll have to have a special interview with someone from the mission presidency. But I remember being like a 19, 20-year-old asking like 50-something-year-old this question and feeling so uncomfortable I remember that too. and Especially out of place. When it's like- Especially when it's like a 50-year-old woman and it's like, okay, we're going to ask you if you've um, participated in rape or drank coffee in back-to-back sentences, you know? It's just, <laughs> right, right. It's so weird. Yeah. Well, in, in Korea, the, the, Korea has actually one of the highest abortion rates in the world um, because it's, their laws on it are really liberal and they don't have very good um, birth control. And there's lots, yeah, there's lots of premarital sex and... So, like, 30 or 40% of women that are adult women have had an abortion at one time or another. So, if you were doing a baptismal interview for an adult woman, it was a pretty darn good chance that she was going to have to answer yes to that. And I think just about every time that I did an interview, it was, it was a yes. And we have to get the bishop <laughs> on the phone, or the, not the bishop, the mission president on the phone, and then just sit there and, like, wait. And it was just awful. Oh, so awful. Yeah. So okay, awful. I'm gonna, I'm- 
I'm going to ruin all of our nights right now. But there was in one of them. It, it may not. That uh, anyway. Wow. Shit. I have ruined the story without even just starting tell the story. It. Okay. The story is I did. Do you want me to I, edit out that first part? Uh, eh, uh, do, listen to your heart. That's what I always do. Um, so still no story. Story's coming. Um, uh, abide. <laughs> dragons are coming. I promise. Oh, they're coming. Um, uh, it, baptismal interview. I interviewed this guy, and like he, there were there was two times. One time was a guy. We found out that this guy had participated in the Shining Path, and had participated in like mass murders. What? In, seriously, the Shining Path. Seriously, the sh- so Shining Path. That, was that's a, from Skyrim, right? No, the Shining <laughs> Path was a was the a terrorist organization that like terrorized Peru for like a decade or several wow. years back in the 80s. Wow. And then there was another guy that was part of the he was in the army during the Shiny Path thing but he described to me participating in a gang rape. Oh my god. And I'm like nine, and I'm 20 years old. I'm like what the fuck is going on? So <laughs> And and we just and we just baptized that guy. I mean, I got the mission president on the phone. I was like, oh, did, did he seem sorry about well, participating in the game race? Well, as long as was it gay? He hadn't had an abortion. Yeah, or or involved in homosexual yeah, yeah, or right, lesbian exactly. activity. No, no, but it was a gay. It was a gay gay gang rape. It was a gang uh, rape. But but he was a but, gang he was, rape. but he was at least penetrating, not the other way around. Oh, oh yeah, it was, was the pitcher, not the catcher. So that's okay. Yeah. So come on. Well, there were multiple pictures in this case, but yeah, it was uh, horrific. Yeah, it okay. was it was horrific. I mean, like, just we're, 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 we're making light of rape again. God damn it! <laughs> no, I mean, I don't want to make. Ra- I think that I mean, it was it was an awful thing, and I don't want to make light of rape because no, we're not making light of rape. Terrible. We're making light of the fact that you just like, oh, well, we just wave him through, whereas we grill these these poor Korean women. <laughs> Yeah, who had nothing. abortions? Yeah. yeah. Well, but it, but but all those things it 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 only means that they need to have a second interview, right? It doesn't mean that they're disqualified from. No, it just means being they're going to get humiliated for another few minutes. When right. In front exactly. of yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, right. Oh, let me call the man upstairs. Hold yeah. on. By, and they have to talk by, to by some nineteen or twenty-year-old kid that has authority over. Isn't right. it also kind of a weird exception to be like you two boys always need to stay together so you stay out of trouble? Except for when you talk to an older woman about um, if she's had an abortion, then you want of you stays out here and then the right. other one talks to her it's just like what yeah that's that is that is strange yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird i don't know but the whole I, thing I is the, weird i think the story that i had most in in my mind when i was doing this knudsen thing that he's like coming in and reversing everything that elder moore had done you know like any good there's that kind of pharisaical uh approach i i, I remember i don't think i knew this person i think i just heard the story that in this branch somebody came to church that was a new convert and didn't wear a tie one day and the the branch president just like reamed him out in front of all the church members and then he never came back <laughs> and i just remember thinking man why does it matter like white shirt tie you know being nitpicky about all these things you're missing the point of the gospel and that that's kind of like everything that i've ever done with stephen norris's canutes and he's that kind of person that's just pharisaical and that that may be one of my uh, early cracks that made me start looking at but there's a, hypocrisy the, in Mormon culture. There's kind of a mixed message in here, though, because not I mean, he is he is an asshole, but he's also endowed with this incredible spiritual power, right? Where he's doing well, that's the this joke. magical stuff. Yeah. The, the joke is that by being an asshole, you're you get to do that. 
No, no, no. It's just it's it, it, it's just kind of like a juxtaposition thing. Like, oh, he's able to do all of these amazing things that uh, uh, really aren't having the effect that he thinks they are. That I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't quite think it through that far. Right. But okay, yeah. Okay, so where are we? Uh, oh, we're inside the Jensen home now. Uh, who's Jonas? Just to see if you remember. We we assigned Jonas to somebody. Is that? Oh, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think it's me, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Get here, little good boy. But uh, right. but I've also got Debbie. So. All right. Oh, or, uh, stay stay, stay on. Be sharp as a tack. <laughs> <You're great>. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Inside the Jensen home, Jack stands across from Jill, who's measuring his chest with a tape measure. She hands him a Nephite Centurion costume for the play, centurion. and he tries it on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jerry and his wife sit at the piano, pecking out one of the songs for the upcoming play. The doorbell rings. Two of Jill's friends enter, carrying a large leather binder. Hello. We've heard you have the Slap Slap Smooth guy. Yes, he's right here. Hello. Hi, I'm Debbie, and this is Kelly. We just love your body of work. Uh, (laughs) thanks. So, when we heard that Jill brought you here, well, we made this for you. They open the leather binder. Jack sees an extensive family tree and old photos. What is this? It's your family history. We spent some time in the archives. We were only able to trace it back to 1734. This is, this is amazing. We found some old... <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> That's the, I think he used the wrong word there. We found some photos and old newspaper clippings. Well, on microfish. And we got a lot off the internet from some public records. I, I'm speechless. We also had all the work done for them, so... <laughs> their, their work? You're welcome. What do you mean? They're in a better place now. And you should be, too. Thanks so much for coming. Their work? What, what are they talking about? Jerry and Janice join them from the piano. Jerry takes the binder from Jack's hands. What's this? Hey, family history. Pretty neat. Dad. You should really get their work done for them. You could do it yourself, of course, but you'd have to wait a year until after you're baptized. What? Or we could do it for you now if you don't want to have them to wait any longer than they have to. They already did their work for them. <laughs> oh, how thoughtful. I'm sorry. I have no idea what you're talking about. Jack, can we talk? Let's walk. 1734, huh? Not bad. <laughs> I love how the Jill's dad is such a clueless <laughs> retard. Um, I'm sorry. God <laughs> damn it. Oh, we have a chalkboard with you, days since you we said retard. We just <laughs> had to erase it, put it to zero. But all Randy said was retard. We don't know uh, we don't what he was, was really going to say. He oh, stopped. No, retard. He stopped. No, I have to erase it. <laughs> Jake. It doesn't matter. Jake said it after. Uh, but he was like, going to say reticent. He just, he just like says stuff. That only a Mormon would understand without any like self-awareness of what he's saying over and over and over. It's hilarious. Okay, uh, exterior, Jensen home. Jack and Jill walk through the neighborhood. Uh, what's all this stuff about after I'm baptized? It's just my dad. You know, I don't hate this stuff. You really have a great family, but do they really expect me to join up just like that? Well, there's this common idea among Mormons that all non-Mormons live some kind of miserable half-life. That existence doesn't really have any real value until their eyes have been opened to the truth. 
well, forgive me for saying it, but that's pretty naive. I know. I don't think it's the way it has to be. It's just the way it is. So what's all this stuff about work? Um, well, it means baptism for your ancestors. For my ancestors? We do it by proxy, like you'll know that. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't. <laughs> it's, it's like they... Oh, I can't even say it. Oh, tell me. Okay. When you die, you go to one of two places, right? Well, that's always seemed a little strange to me, but actually, oh, okay. No, it seems strange to us, too. We believe that there is a lot more than two places, but right after you die, after your spirit has, has separated from your body, it goes to a kind of waiting place. Like purgatory. Maybe. I don't really know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. You guys got to help me out by not laughing in between my lungs. <laughs> I'm Maybe. laughing that we're, we're getting a second exposition on the same, you know, like... Right. Doctrine. Right. Thing. Yeah, I mean, we've, I mean, we've like, already in like one... It's not. It's, it's one two-hour no. movie. We're hearing the same thing. You're not, John. What you heard before was after the final judgment. Okay. This is before the final judgment. Oh, God, okay. You've got to think about your plan of salvation chart in your head. Which circle are you in right now? Yeah, God going, isn't every God last going in reverse. Yeah. That stuff has been spelled out. All right. Action? Keep going. It's about a ski resort. Yeah, yeah a ski, the purgatory ski resort. Give me a ski resort, resort analogy, Jill. All right. <laughs> well, you know, there's a there's a place called Purgatory, right? It's a ski resort. Yes. Yeah, it's in Colorado, anyway. right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I don't really know what that is. It's pretty. It's pretty much just a ski resort around here. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> wah, wah. But but the spirits go to wait until the resurrection, until the time when the spirit and the body are reunited again forever. So what does this have to do with baptism? Well, I said there were two places to go, right? A paradise and a prison. In order to get into paradise, you kind of have to be baptized. Well, all right. I'm sure most of my ancestors were baptized already. By a Mormon. Uh, oh, I, I see. And, and Mormons have been around since what? 1800s? Since 1830, yes. So when your dad said they've waited so long, he thinks their spirits are in... Exactly. Nice. So you guys get baptized for them, and they're allowed to switch sides. Only if they want to. Well, I'm glad they have a choice. I'm sorry, Jack. This must sound really weird. You guys really want to turn the entire world Mormon, don't you? Pretty much, yeah. Well, it doesn't change the way I feel about you. (laughs) I'm sorry, let me say it again. Well, it doesn't change the way I feel about you. Oh. Do you mean that? It's fine. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be with you. <laughs> pause. What the pause mean? Uh, with you. I don't know, because I don't yeah. like these Mormons. Yeah. They're driving me crazy. There you go. There you go. I like it. Because <laughs> it's such a huge part of who I am. Come here. 
Give me some loving. Jack wraps his arms around Jill. She rests her head against his shoulder. Just tell me one thing. Are we through the worst of it? Or is it going to get weirder? (laughs) Oh, Jack. Jack. The drumbeat of an American Indian Christmas music comes from inside the house. Jack and Jill just laugh. See, I I think at this point, it would have been really funny if he says, if it's just going to get weirder. And then at that moment, the Mormon celebrity lands from his parachute, having been ejected from the plane right behind him. Perfect. That that, that would be good. Should write that in. That would be good. That joke alone just gives him the salute. I'm right. Just gives him the salute. I mean, and then thumbs up or whatever. He doesn't say anything. Right. Yeah. And then the drum beat. (laughs) Okay. Outside of an airport terminal, Dennis and Sydney stand dejected on the curb. So now, what are we going to do? A semi truck pulls up in front of them. Big letters on the side of it reads: Victor and Sammy Weinstein. Weinstein products of love. Victor and Sammy Weinstein are two slippery lounge singer type shysters with thick New York accents. Victor sticks his head out of the driver's window. You look like you could use a lift. Join us. Outside, rural Mexico. A beat-up pickup truck drives down a dusty road. Elder Moore sits next to Mr. Garcia, Mr. Garcia in the cab. His Book of Mormon is open and he reads as Mr. Garcia drives. And I exhort you that once you have received these things... Elder Adam sits in the back of the truck with a horde of Garcia children and a couple of pigs. (laughs) (laughs) Next to him sits Eva Garcia, who is staring at him. Elder Adams is staring back. Her little brother punches her in the arm. Eva, stop staring! Uh, At the... Garcia household. The Garcia family, dressed all in white, stands by a river near their beat-up little house. Elder Moore stands in the water. Eva approaches him. Elder Adams follows. Mind if I do this one? If it's all right with Sister Garcia. Eva nods. She and Adams lock eyes and stare at each other throughout the entire baptism blessing. Eva Garcia, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. I should have said holy the ghost. Yeah, you know you wrote that wrong too, right? Uh, did the I? The prayer, yeah. Uh, no. It's what, what in is the name it? of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So I, I missed the of the Son. Yeah. Oh, I've only got one of. Yeah. Oh, maybe I did it on purpose so that Knudsen could uh, disqualify no, I don't know. I haven't read that far. We'll find out. Well, okay. So the yeah. next line is from Elder Moore. There's another part you forgot. Oh, yeah. He dunks her eyes still locked together. Um, Elder, you forgot to say being commissioned, Elder. <laughs> Adams leads her from the water, oblivious to anything else around them. Moore's follow- Moore follows them. Mr. Garcia points to a small beat-up motor scooter. In thanks for this great gift you have given my family, <laughs> I want to take you to this. May God be with you on your journey. <laughs> outside at Merle, Mexico from high above we see the beat up scooter motoring down the road up close we see Elder Moore at the controls I don't know why I did this wearing a spiked Nazi riding helmet and a dusty pair of goggles behind I don't know Nazi where'd that come from I don't know behind him sits Elder Adams wearing an old football helmet without a face guard and equally goofy goggles over his equally goofy glasses behind him sits Eva Garcia no helmet or goggles arms tightly wrapped around Adams 
<laughs> Adam smiles goofily, and we enter into his daydream. So, how would you a series of shots? How would you describe Adam's in one word? <laughs> yeah, without saying goofy over and over again. Jeez. All right. Maybe we could put that in the uh, uh, Sunstone presentation. How would you describe Adam's? And the only options are goofy. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is his vision. Uh, it's in the Garden of Eden. Adams awakens from a sleep beneath a large tree. He rubs his ribs and looks over to see Eva, who walks towards him. He stands and takes her by the hand. They're both dressed in strategically placed fig leaves. <laughs> Adams has his black missionary tag firmly affixed to his bare chest. Wait, wait, wait. See, he rubs his ribs and he doesn't realize that there's one missing? <laughs> right. No, that's the, oh, that's, that's, the, yeah, okay, the that's the nod. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, where, where is it? Oh, there it is. <laughs> it's in that honey over there. Yeah. <laughs> Cartoon flowers blossom around them. Cartoon animals cavort around the garden. Did I say what the song was? Zippity doodah. No. Just oh no! It's just us. the two of us yeah. by Bill Withers. Yeah. <laughs> just the two of us. We can make. It. Okay. Uh, Adam picks a bouquet of cartoon flowers and hands it to Eva. You get the whole Adams and Eva uh, thing. No, that, that was not clear. No. Yeah. Adam's, <laughs> That's pretty subtle. Oh yeah. Adams leads Eva to a large tree where a map with blinking lights is posted. The map reads the garden and has blue lights for explored and red lights for unexplored. By the way, in Spanish, it's pronounced Eva. Okay. They run joyfully through the garden, racing with the cartoon animals. They hold hands and sway back and forth to the music. A smiling cartoon serpent coils up around their hands and sways to the music with them. Nothing quite like this little piece of paradise. Fade out of the daydream to Adam's... Say it. Goofy (laughs) smile face. End of the daydream. Okay, back inside the cultural hall. The stage is closer to completion with Olmec heads and Mayan pyramids forming a Mesoamerican backdrop. Jerry stands off to the side and leads a group of children in a few dance steps. Jack stands off to the side and just shakes his head. Uh, In their neighborhood at night, Jack and Jill walk down a street of beautiful homes lit up for Christmas. You did well today. Uh, It's not a difficult role to play. I've, I've had much worse. Still, I am so embarrassed. Jack walks in silence. Um, why isn't it italics? Don't think too hard about it, Randy. Just read. Okay. <laughs> I'm just wondering if it was lyrics. I was supposed to sing it. Like she was singing the song. You can if you want. I don't know. Isn't this the part where you're supposed to say, don't worry, it's okay? Well, it's a bit uncomfortable. It actually started to get to me a bit today. This isn't exactly what I had in mind when I offered to come home with you for Christmas. Then you don't have to do it. We'll tell my dad. You just won't do it. No, it, it's, it's pretty funny, actually. I just, I don't... You don't what? I don't get how your dad doesn't see what he's doing, that's all. He knows what he's doing. In, in a way, sure, but I don't think he really does. None of you really seem to. Look, I've never been really religious, so I've never been around a group of people so, so really religious like this. I don't know if it's just Mormons or what, but ever since I first got here, it's like I have to conform to be accepted, and I'm just not sure how I feel about it. Well, you don't have to conform for me. I know. Aww. Jack puts his arm around her and they walk closer together. Look, I'll, I'll do your dad's play and I'll have fun with it, but just do me one favor. What's that? When we have those moments in the play, those many moments where it's so completely obvious that the believers are so great and the non-believers are 
so not. Please don't look at me because I'm going to be doing everything I can not to laugh. <laughs> Deal. You know, I have to say, the, these last two conversations with Jack and Jill, there have been elements of it that I've really liked. Like, I think, I don't know, I... I uh, I, I like these these this last exchange. I liked quite a bit, actually. Well, Jill, Jill's actually definitely not um, someone who uh, is going to be a hardliner. She's not a McConkey Mormon, oh, um, right? So, and, and Jack Jack's actually wisened up a lot in the course of this play. He was right. Like, he was like <laughs> way more that. dumb, right? <laughs> well, and self absorbed. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, know. I, I mean, know. I, was, I mean, it was way more vainglorious right at the beginning, and now he's kind of like has a little bit of insight even though he's i don't know what his objectives are we, we've gotten just a tiny little bit of depth to jack just a tiny yeah. it's a tiny well i think i mean actually i think there's probably more depth to jill than there really is to jack jack's kind of uh, jack's pretty pretty shallow well, I, I, I mean I, not shallow but, but we just don't really get into but, him but compared very to much. randy i'm kind of bringing credibility to the role you are yes. You're, you're doing a very good reading. That's true. Ouch. That's true. Because Jill Jill was kind of like me and and like the part of me that is so embarrassed about being a Mormon uh, and like how are you going to deal with this? And you know I I don't think that it really came out as much in the first half as it is in the second half. But yeah. Anyway, no. so so like when Jill's I when I read smart, this, I I recognize that embarrassed. Jill. She's embarrassed by this whole thing. So yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but still like one, one of my favorite comments from the first one was when Jake, 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 uh, made the point of saying, Oh, what was it? Like the very nom language about the Lamanites that were generally righteous or no, the generally, you know, like, like they weren't all bad, you know? And so like that, that, that made me open my eyes and look, Oh yeah, because I was like a lot of these, a lot of this exposition about Mormon beliefs was kind of what's good, what's bad, because I still thought that there was, like redeemable stuff about the church that I was proud of, but then there was this other stuff that I wasn't proud of. Right. And if I if I wrote this thing today, it would be very very different. But anyway, okay. Uh, Elder Knudsen at the Garcia home rises from a kneeling position, a sunflower seed between his long thin fingers. He walks to the little house and bangs on the door. A sleepy eyed Mister Garcia answers. Oh, hello, Elder. How can I help you? It, it, I, it shouldn't be the night. It should be in the middle of the day, then. Vampire sleep. Can I go now? Yeah. What do you know about Mormons? I know that I am one. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Would you like to know more? There's more? I think you already know more. What are you saying? They've been here, haven't they? Uh, uh, that was really. How, bad. how was anyone supposed to get that joke without I looking don't at know. the spelling? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, it doesn't play. They have to say elder more. Yeah, um, but it's still not. They're going to be doing it getting. in Spanish, and there's going to be submas. Would you like to know mas? E menos. Yeah. Uh, inside the Garcia home, Knudsen pushes his way past Mr. Garcia. A cutout picture of the first presidency from an Ensign magazine hangs on the wall. Where are they? Where are who? The missionaries who baptize you. I need to find them. They're traveling to Utah. I gave them my old scooter. <laughs> he has to. Utah, you say? They have to stop a wedding. Elder Moore girlfriend is marrying a non-member. 
<laughs> I wish Mr. Garcia had said Uta. Uta. <laughs> I see. They are bad missionaries, Mr. Garcia. I'm sorry to tell you this, but your conversion didn't take. He points to a picture of the first presidency on the wall. You want to take that down until you're more prepared. Maybe get a proper frame. You can go back to your coffee and beer if you'd like. We need to do this right. He hands Mr. Garcia a business card. I'll be in touch. Knudsen exits and slams the door behind him. The picture of the first presidency falls to the floor. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Inside the Jensen house, Jack and Jill and the entire Jensen family are gathered together in the front room, all dressed in their Nephite costumes. Ready to break a leg out there tonight? The family cheers. Yay. 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 Yeah. Tom, Tom's like three of the kids, so. <laughs> Tom, can you simultaneously do three kid voices cheering? No, I can't. Sorry. <laughs> Let's just pretend. All right, gather in. All the family puts their right hand into the center of the circle. Oh. Lord, we humbly thank you for our tremendous blessings, our great talent, which exceeds others' talents beyond measure, <laughs> and the opportunity to humbly share our exceedingly great talent with others. We do this tonight for you on three. One, two, three. Amen. 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 Okay. Inside a Greyhound bus. The bus is decorated for Christmas with one pathetic Santa Claus streamer. Sydney and Dennis sit together near the front. There's still a chance we can make it. I don't know how. They look out the window and see a sign that reads, Now entering Utah. Set clock back 100 years. Ah. That's pretty funny. That's I like that. Actually. Yeah. Self-effacing sign? No, it wasn't. I was never associated with Utah, so that was me making fun of Tom. I like it. I like it. I want to make he, that He makes sign. his Mesa jokes. Yeah, yeah I want to make yeah. that it was, sign and put it there. Yeah. It would be more accurate if it said set your clock back to 50 years because that's where they're stuck. <laughs> okay. Be more accurate. <laughs> Dude, hundred years ago they were practicing polygamy. Actually, I think fifty-three would be more accurate. <laughs> no, 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 fifty-six. Okay. The bus passes more Adams and Eva on their scooter. Hurry up, Dennis. We're nearly there, and I don't feel like I'm Mormon yet. Right. There's something important I almost forgot. What's that? Remember when I taught you how to talk to a guy, all the giggling and the hitting his arm and saying, totally, and no way. Well, you also have to feel his arm like this to check for garment lines. Garment lines? What the fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) It just became the first PG-13 Mormon movie ever. No, you need three. You need. Yeah, because you need three fucks to get into an arm. That's true. We just crossed the threshold, though. Yeah. it means that he's worthy. Good marriage material. Here, try it. Sydney reaches out and feels his arm. I don't feel anything. Well, you wouldn't on me, would you? But don't worry. Even if you can't feel it, there's another way to tell. What's that? Dennis points to a guy a few rows behind them. The wide scooping collar line of his undershirt can be seen through his thin white shirt. Dennis draws a similar collar line on his own shirt. Eternal smile. So that right there, that's an eternal smile? Mine? No. Beefy tea. So is that it? That's all I need to know to be Mormon? Pretty much. Well, I, there's a little doctrine wouldn't hurt. Okay. 
<laughs> well, let's see. Okay. okay. Well, one of the biggest things you need to know is that we live. Oh my God! Now we have to go through another. One. <laughs> God, we're working backwards. We're going to one of the other circles. We haven't hit all the circles. Oh, freaking! Let's do one flannel board and call it good. <laughs> Remember this? This Dennis guy is a guy who still thought uh, adults needed dance cards. Dance cards. But now he knows all about feeling for garments. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay. One of the biggest things you need to know is that we lived before we came here. Sure, I already believe that. Like reincarnation. No, no, not like that. You weren't like another person or amoeba or something. You were you. You lived with your family and everyone lived with God up in heaven. It was perfect state of perfect love of perfect happiness. Okay. So if it was heaven and it was so perfect and everyone lived with God, why did we leave? To learn. To learn what? To be more like God. Wouldn't we have learned more by staying with him? Well, we'd already gone as far as we could go. We had to come to earth to get a body and learn to be more like God. Why did we have to do that? So we can go back and live with him again someday. But isn't that where you said we were when we started? This doesn't make any sense. Mm, okay, so let, let's let's skip the doctrine. Oh, there's Glenn's. <laughs> there's another edgy commentary. Yeah, I like it. My it's good. It's good. <laughs> oh, sure. Before you were saying, let's just do one flannel board well, presentation. This, eh? this is the flannel board. This one. I okay. didn't like the other All ones. There. Right. Okay, where were we, Dennis? There's more important stuff to being Mormon, anyway. Uh, like what? <laughs> hey, where'd Jake go? Well, we lost him. He's got the three dots. Uh oh. Oh. Like missionary work, converting others. No, that's not how he did it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with it. Uh, yeah, that that was pretty edgy, Glenn, to to have him abort when it got uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, do the do the line, Glenn, or Bob. <laughs> like what? Oh, you want me to do both both parts? Somebody yeah, else want to do Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like missionary work, converting others. But how can you do that if you're not really sure to fit yourself? Mm, okay, well, let's see if this time... <laughs> I'm like doing all sorts of quizzes. <laughs> let's see if there's time to teach you how to quilt and make a casserole. Okay. Uh... Inside the cultural hall, a starry-eyed crowd sits before the stage, curtains drawn. Mesoamerican-themed Christmas decorations fill the room. An excited buzz fills the air. As cheesy as it is, these people absolutely love this yearly tradition. The lights dim, the music rises. A small but amazingly proficient orchestra plays the opening prologue. Okay, uh, Jake just texted me that his internet cut out and he has to restart the moment. Okay, uh, just a minute. Who's the singing mind woman? Ooh, I get to sing? Yeah. You got to come up with a tune for this stanza. Yeah, you got to come up with a tune. <laughs> okay. Uh, the lights dim, the music rises, uh, small but amazingly proficient orchestra plays the opening prologue, which I totally ripped off from Waiting for Guffman. Right. The curtains open to a stage designed to look like a Mesoamerican, or to, designed to look like Mesoamerican culture. This is an overly cheesy play that is meant to be performed over the top, an overzealous performance given by overly earnest, although not overly talented performers. Opening song, zero BC. The music begins. I kind of like that zero BC, zero. but anyway. <laughs> you know, there, you know there was no zero BC, right? Yeah, but this is this is Jerry's. Yeah, you know, he's setting the, song. the stage for us. This is the, 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 the song is called zero BC. No, was, they started the with joke. one, but the, okay. the yeah, joke okay. is he doesn't know that there's not a zero BC. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Leslie, uh, uh. dressed as a Mayan-looking woman, enters stage right. 
Was, so really, this should be Tom, actually, because it's Leslie. Yeah, I'm the daughter singing later. This feels like a setup. <laughs> um, I am lost in this world. Where can I turn? Where, oh, where can I turn? It's zero BC. Oh, yeah. Zero BC. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Nice. That was Nicely great. done. Awesome. <laughs> a Mayan-looking family made up of several Jensen kids, also played by Tom, enters the stage left. My parents uh, have... Tri- what is it? Am I doing... I'm not doing that. Who's doing that? I don't know. I have it highlighted for uh, me. I'll do I have it, it highlighted for me. Pa- All right. My parents haven't raised me well. We've done the best we can. There must be something more out there. So I can be a man. Where, where can we turn? Where, 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 where can we turn? Can we turn? It's zero, it's zero BC. BC. I say zero BC. Okay. Not only do we have lag, but we have yeah. people that don't have the same tune in their head. There is no tune. <laughs> A Mayan artisan, played by Brother Bear, who is Jake, actually, uh, enters. I thought this world would make me happy. I thought this world would make me neat. I thought this world would be fulfilling. And put me on my feet. Oh, where? 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 Yeah, this is kind of that voices calling me from the Saturday's Warrior thing. Where is this? Okay, anyway. The music fades. The stage lights dim. Spotlight on Jerry who enters center stage to grand applause. In his hand, he carries silver plates. Behold, I am Jerry Iha, follower of the prophet Samuel. I have in my hands the words of truth. All ye who long to be free, look ye thee to me. The other performers... Is there a cricket? You guys hear that? (laughs) Oh, that's my house. Yeah, there is a cricket. (laughs) Oh, wow. Good mic. Yeah. Okay. The other performers on stage mutter to each other. Okay, another song. Uh, this really is my favorite song. Um, All Signs Point Two is the name of the song. The music begins. All on the stage from the previous scene begin their choreographed dance moves. Jerry is not nearly as good a singer as he thinks he is, but he's diligent and works through all the rough spots. Yeah, so tone it down, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a great singer, so I'll nail this. Okay. <laughs> I look down at the ground. I look up at Cilio. Cielo. Cielo. And the one thing that I know when I see the rainbow is he is there and he is good. And all signs point to him. I look around at my life. I've given up all to know him. I only hope I can show him. Unlike all they in sin, that I am here 
and I am good, and all signs point to me. The cast members gather around Jerry and sing the backup chorus in parentheses. This is going to be tricky. Below, while Jerry sings the lead. I live a good life. Singing. All signs point to I am kind to my wife. All All signs point point to. I don't give people strife. All All signs point point to. I don't brand a knife. All (laughs) signs point point to. I'm kind to bees in the hive. All signs point to. I give people five. All signs point to. For righteousness I do strive. All signs point to. It's really not supposed to be this slow of a song. <laughs> For I know he is alive. Hey, I'm doing my part fast. It's these backup singers. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't blame it on us, Scott. No way. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get that last line again, Scott, with gusto. For I know he is alive. You're awesome. you're right. You can't sing, man. <laughs> oh. The cast members return to their previous positions. Jerry continues with his song. Oh my god. I know. Pardon me, Jerry. I know. I shine my light to the world in all the darkness around us. I stand for truth and I don't fuss. My testimony you can't bust. Because I am here and I am good. All signs point to. All signs point to. All signs point to me. Nice. Wild applause. The cast members exit, except for the artisan, who has an overly sad expression as he chisels at the nose of a large cardboard Olmec face statue. Jerry moves towards him. He stops in front of the artisan and takes in a majestic sweeping view of the invisible landscape. The artisan stops his chiseling and greets Jerry Iha. Hey, old man, what is that you carry? These, sir, are the words of Samuel, the Lamanite prophet. He who brought us the words of truth. I see. The Lamanites are now so much more righteous than we, but I must admit, I do not know that I am familiar of who ye speak, for I have lived in ignorance all my days, and am thus very unhappy. <laughs> do you mean that Samuel, who prophesied the birth of the Messiah? Uh-huh. Do you mean that Samuel, who said that Jesus would be born in Jerusalem, the land of our fathers, and that we would recognize the sign of his divine birth by a day and a night and a day that will appear as only one really long day with no darkness, only light? <laughs> Uh-huh. You mean that Samuel, who was persecuted for his beliefs by all of the non-believers and had to escape from prophesying atop the city walls for his life and hid in the wilderness and established a small but faithful following of faithful believers who faithfully believe in the glorious teachings that he gloriously taught? The very same. I'm not sure that I believe all of these things. I was raised by the traditions of my fathers, which I know to be false. <laughs> Tell me, sir, are you a follower of Samuel? Although I may be put to death for admitting it thus, I am brave and valiant, and hold my testimony as an ensign unto the world. I therefore let my light so shine, and therefore do freely admit that I am truly a follower of he. Sir, I marvel at your confidence and serenity. You amaze me with your boldness of speech. What is this strange sensation rising in my chest, confirming to me that the words you speak are full of light and truth? Pray tell me how I may align myself with thee. What is the name of your small but humble group of followers? 
ye who faithfully follow the glorious teachings of Samuel? We call ourselves <laughs> the Salmons. <laughs> so the, the, the song that plays now is the Salmon Rap, which I'd never wrote. Thank God. Thank yeah. <laughs> Thank heaven. That's one merciful thing. Salmon, salmon rap, do the salmon rap. Salmon, salmon rap, do the salmon rap. At the end of the salmon rap, <laughs> Jerry provides a quick baptism to the artisan and sends him on his way. Jerry walks across to the small or to a small table with Janice and Jill in character. Greetings, husband, the leader of our home. Since Jake isn't here, I'll do. Janice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Father. It is with heavy heart that I greet you, for I have news concerning the sacred birth and the sign to which we look forward of its coming. Tell us this news, for we are stalwart and brave. A day has been set aside by the non-believers to put those to death who believe in the sign unless the sign actually takes place. Such persecution we face for the truthfulness of our beliefs. What can we do, Father? We must journey with our brethren to a land northward, a chosen land, reserved for the faithful, for time, immortal, for those who covenant to serve the Lord. Let us make this pioneering trek together. And then another song. for time, immortal? What does that mean? (laughs) Did you mean time immemorial? Immemorial? No, it, it... Jerry meant to say time immortal. Oh, okay. Okay. It's the play within the play. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. It it gives me cover for all kind of mistakes. So that's what it was. So now they sing the song Salmon Your Children. Sing uh-huh. as they walked and walked and walked. Oh, as they sing, <laughs> dude, this is bad. It's <laughs> real bad. Jerry, Janice, and Jill. Salmon your children uh, sing as they walked. They walked and walked. Okay. Uh, uh, as they march, the scenery is replaced with Zion Canyon backdrops and the Great Salt Lake. End song. <laughs> End the song. Yeah. Father, we have been marching for days. When will the Lord reveal that this is the place? Hush, mine daughter. Doth thou want us to waken the crickets? <laughs> A group of non-believers stops them. They are dressed menacingly with body piercing, face paint, feather headdress, and tattoos. Among the non-believers is Jack as a, as a young Nephite centurion. Their leader, Gaddy Anton, played by Brother Bagley, steps forward. Halt! Do you think that you can escape from our decree? The day soon comes when if the sign is not given, you shall be put to death unless you will deny the Christ. We shall not deny the Christ. Okay. Then just look out. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd of non-believers disperses somewhat anticlimactically. All except for Jack, who stands frozen to his spot, staring at Jill. Son, I see that thou art an impressive specimen and hast great merit and potential eyes of the Lord. Thine only sin is this, thine ignorance that has been brought about by the false traditions of thine fathers. Cometh with us, we shall teach you in the ways of truth. Inside the rest stop <laughs> at dusk, the bus is parked at a rest stop on the side of the road. 
Sydney and Dennis stretch their legs alongside the bus. I hope they hurry. We're running out of time. They watch as more Adams and Eva ride on the scooter. Okay, let's go through this again. Role play. We did this all the time on my mission. Best four months of my life. <laughs> so, I'm Jack, and you're his newest Mormon gal. Sydney does her best Mormon girl impression. Hello, Jack. She hits his shoulder playfully and feels for garment lines. What do you want? <laughs> you're a totally great guy. At least I think so from an eternal perspective. Of course I'm great. I'm the freaking... Slap, slap, smooth guy. I've been fasting and praying, Jack. I feel the spirit confirming to my heart that you are the one for me. We're soulmates, Jack. I feel that we were together in the pre-existence. Won't you take me to the temple and be sealed to me for time and all eternity? Perfect. They watch as Knudsen marches alongside the highway, tirelessly determined Terminator-like. Inside the cultural hall, the nativity play, Jill, Jerry, and a small group of believers huddle on one side of the stage. All the believers shout, Hooray! Jack stands off stage, dressed in white. A stagehand sprays him down with a spray bottle to look freshly baptized. He enters and joins the believers. Jill points as a group, as a group of non-believers enter. Why is that group of non-believers gathered together? They hast cometh here to slay us. Look, the sun, it has set, and yet there is no darkness. Yea, behold, this is the verily the day and the night and the day. Must like it to one really super long day that Samuel hath spoken of doth. We're saved. We'll see about that. The non-believers move forward, knives in hand. An earthquake rumbles. A cardboard boulder falls from above onto the non-believers and crushes them dead. They twitch and writhe on the stage. <laughs> In the death throes. They are dead. Tom, you gotta oh, do this. Hooray! Hooray! Daughter, I believe this is this for the final sign we have been waiting for. And since Amula Jack hath now been baptized, it is now appropriate for you to marry unto each other in the eyes of the angels and all these witnesses for all eternity and beyond. Gather together. <laughs> Amula Jack? Uh, am- really, Amula Jack? <laughs> yeah. Amula Jack. Amula Jack. Amula Jack. Okay. The cast gathers so around subtle. for a wedding. Santa Claus enters from stage right on a cardboard sled pulled by llamas. The children in the audience are delighted by the sight of Santa. A few elves jump off of the back of the sleigh and throw candy canes into the audience. Santa approaches Jack and Jill with an open book, ready to marry them together. Jill bites her lip and looks very nervous. She's struggling to accept this. Holy brethren and dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to join these two young people in marriage, the Lady Jillian, who has been so faithful her entire life, and the newest member of our flock, Amelia Jack, whose conversion we witnessed earlier this day. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho. Yeah. Jill removes her headdress and breaks character. Wait. No. I can't do this. Jerry tries to stay in character. Uh, yes, you can. It's your wedding day. No, Dad. I like Jack. Yes, we all do. We all love uh, Amula Jack. No, 
I mean Jack. I really like him. And he doesn't have to convert for me to want to be with him. He's a great guy, Dad. He doesn't have to be anything else. Uh, Hark, another sign up in the sky. Stop it, Dad. Why do you keep pushing this? You're my daughter. I just want what's best for you. Jack is what's best for me. He's the best thing that has ever happened to me. Think about our articles of faith. If there is... <laughs> Come on, let me get through my life. I know, but I'm in pain. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> if there is anything beautiful, lovely, virtuous, or of good report, we seek after these things. Yes, and we make them Mormon. No, we accept them for what they are. Jack, I love my family. I love my religion. They may seem kooky and quirky to you, but they mean the world to me. Mormonism makes me happy, and I love that. But I am falling in love with you, too. And, well, and while I might... Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> and while I might... Ah, why do I want to put might in there? <laughs> it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> and while I admit that I would love it if you shared my beliefs, you have shown that at least you, res- you respect them, and you haven't tried to change me. And that's more Mormon than most Mormons. Oh. The audience watches with mixed curiosity and bewilderment, not certain if this is part of the nativity play or not. I want to be with you for you, for who you are. You are kind and tolerant and patient and loving. You don't have to change a thing for me. All I want is for you to continue to be patient with me and be loving to me, even though sometimes it will all seem so, so weird. Do you think you can do that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> they kiss. The audience cheers. Santa gives a... Ho, ho, ho. Elder Moore rushes in from the back of the cultural hall. Stop the wedding! Stop the wedding! Sydney rushes in from the opposite end. She sees Jill and Jack's arm and immediately loses all composure. Jack, you can't do this! We aren't finished yet! I'm a Mormon girl now! Sydney and Moore rush to the stage. Elder Knudsen steps out from the crowd and confronts Elder Moore. All right, Elder, you're coming with me. Whack! Sydney slams right into Knudsen. Their heads smack together and they both fall to the floor. Jared, oh what are you doing here? I have to stop this. You can't marry a non member. Think about this reasonably. Think about your kids. Don't you want a forever family? I'm not marrying anyone. This is a play. Duh. Besides, don't you believe in God, Jared? I'm a missionary. Then you must know all, all about kindness and love and charity. Sure. Moroni, 70-40-something. What's your point? <laughs> Elder Perry right there. It just, yeah, right. It, just, it just hit me that I'm in a love triangle with Tom and John. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and guess who's going to win, Tom? Yeah, what's it going to be, Jill? <laughs> oh, Jared, you're a great guy, and you'll make a great husband to someone someday, but I'm in love with the slap slap. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a stupid <laughs> Okay, let me, let me wipe the tears from my eyes. Okay. Jared, 
you're a great guy, and you'll make a great husband to someone someday, but I'm in love with... with <laughs> I can't get through it. Uh, okay. But I'm in love with the slap, slap, smooth guy, and I'm willing to work to build a forever family with him. Sidney rolls over and hovers over the fallen Knudsen. Knudsen opens his eyes and sees Sidney framed in light. Finally, the ministering I have been praying for. Are you an angel? Sidney rubs her head and smiles at him. Cut to black. A caption on the screen reads, Ending number one, non-Mormon ending. And in parentheses, Mormons in the audience, please close your eyes. Oh, uh, inside the cultural hall, <laughs> the cast members stand on the stage. Jack and Jill walk to the front, hand in hand. Jill, I love you too, and maybe someday we can live here in Utah, but this place is just too weird. Is there any way you would come back to New York and move in with me? I thought you'd never ask. Waka chicka, waka chicka, 70s music plays in the background. Oh my god. I know. Jack dips Jill into a full on makeout kiss. Not full halfway here. Full kiss. on. Yeah, full on makeout now kiss. Now it's all it's all a waka chicka guys always do yeah. a dip. Jack kiss. instantly sprouts a porn stash. Uh, Jack, <laughs> Jack turns and winks at the camera. Jill makes a sexy model pose cut to black. A caption on the screen reads Ending number two, Mormon ending. Non-Mormons, brace yourselves. Inside the cultural hall, the cast members stand on the stage. Jack and Jill walk to the front, hand in hand. Jill, I've been thinking about this. I I don't know what this feeling is, but looking around at you and at your family, and all of you actually, at, at what you seem to have, I realize that I am missing something in my life. I want what you have. I want to be a Mormon, Jill. Jill, let's be Mormon together. People, <laughs> nice. That was good. People in the audience are teary-eyed. Jill's sister Leslie leaves the stage and approaches Elder Moore. I love you, Elder. This is your masturbatory moment, Tom. What? Because you're also more Jared. You're Jared. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Jared. Oh, golly, yeah. Okay. I love you, Elder. Leslie. Les, I never... Forget about Jill. You can start a forever family with me. Les needs more. (laughs) (laughs) Leslie moves in for a big kiss. Moore reaches out and shakes her hand. He turns to the camera and winks. Always keep them wanting more. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You know what? I gotta go brush my teeth after that pathetic line. That's that's bad. (laughs) Dennis, teary-eyed, walks to the front of the stage. Sobbing, I want to be a better person. <laughs> Sydney takes Knudsen by the tie. Baptize me, you massive hunk of a man. <laughs> Hundreds of non-Mormons rush in through the doors, including flight attendant Catherine and Victor and Simon Weinstein. <laughs> All the non-Mormons in unison, baptize us too. <laughs> Everyone breaks out into laughter and high fives. It's a celebration for the world. Or cut high to high black. High. What's that? Yeah, high fives, of course. Celebration for everyone. Yeah, correct. 
cut to black. A caption on the screen reads, and now for what maybe possibly really happened two years later inside the cultural hall. See, this is, I think this Are is my Wayne's Scooby- world. Yeah, we need the yeah, Scooby-Doo right. ending. This is the Scooby-Doo ending. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I would have got away with it, too, if it wasn't for those meddling kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> I should have. Uh, the hall is decked out for a wedding reception. The song Love Philosophy by Jamiroquai plays in the background as people dance and jam to the good time wedding reception feeling. Jill's in a beautiful wedding gown. Jack's in a tux. Adam is booging with Eva. Jared is booging with Leslie. Sydney's booging with Knudsen. Jerry's booging with Janice. And Dennis is trying unsuccessfully to hit on flight attendant Catherine. As in the beginning of the film, hand-drawn arrows depict what we see on the screen as we freeze frame through the festivities. Uh, two arrows point to Jack and Jill's wedding rings. Married. Two arrows point to Knudsen and Sydney's empty ring fingers. Dating. Two arrows point to Leslie's engagement ring and Moore's empty ring finger. Engaged. Three arrows point to Adam's and Eva's wedding rings and her protruding belly, respectively multiplying and replenishing the earth. A fourth arrow joins the other three, twins. Two arrows point to Dennis, who is dancing beside Catherine, beside Catherine, and Catherine, arms folded, turns away, striking out again. An arrow points to a visible collar line under Jack's tuck shirt. Eternal smile or beefy tea? The scribbling disappears and the following words appear. Boy meets girl. Uh, boys, boy, uh, boy meets girls. Boy gets girl. Happy wedding ending. <laughs> Happy wedding ending. Search for fulfillment. Fulfilled. Analysis. Another cheesy Mormon movie. Thank God it's over. Almost. There's no clear indication whether Jack joined the church or not, but for the keen and desperate Mormon eye, there is a crystalline Salt Lake Temple figure on the gift table. That should be enough. They all dance and boogie to another song, and it's done. Shine a little love. Yeah, by ELO. These were the songs I was listening to at the time. (laughs) A lot of ELO love. I was waiting for the... I love ELO. I do love... You know. Yeah, there's three in here, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah, is that true. the shine a little love in your heart song? No. Uh-huh. No. I'll I'll put it on the no. the, the <laughs> Uh well, that was fun. I will say th- I will say this, Glenn. Thanks for thanks for letting us uh, uh dump all over this. And it is it, i mean, you're such a creative person, but this just to be able to write just to write this and and come up with this and everything, like and you must just, this, this was a lot of effort. Like, it's a lot of time yeah. that you spent on this. So. Yeah, it, it, it did. It took a lot of time. But, it, you know, like I said, it was, it, I was avoiding writing my dissertation. And I, I don't, you know, I, I think, you know, Randy's asked the question before, like, why do we podcast? Why are we talking about this stuff and, like, hashing it over and over again? Like, I, I, I just like putting the Mormon stuff under the microscope and, looking at it. and this was a way of doing that for me just in a in a very different format than the way that we do it here and and also me being in a very different place then than right than it's I a it was now, a but, it was definitely a window into where you were because yeah. all the different all of the different you know like places where it was sort of a biting critique and then all the places where it was sort of apologetic you know were completely like a different place on the dial right yeah yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it would yeah, be like, like the part uh, the, the part about the like the bikers with the with the tattoos and like they're all menacing and everything it's right. such a it's such a, a window into what you you know or the the scene where she's you know she's got the bikini top on and he's like waves his hand and puts out the cigarette like all this outward yeah. manifestation stuff that that was bugging you um anyway 
Yeah, just, but well, but, but I don't, I don't want, I don't want to leave any confusion. At, like I wasn't thinking that that bikers were evil or something. I was. No, I was no, 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 you were saying yeah. you're, that the fact that the, that they're focused on this outward stuff, right. you were so critical right. of that, right, right. And instead, you're saying that that actually though that there's a value here to the to the um, whatever the deeper stuff. Yeah. Like to me, the biggest zinger, you know, like if, if, if it's working up to a single moment, that moment is, is the article of faith moment and the exchange between Jill and her dad when, when she's like, you know, what about this? Everything that's lovely and virtuous. Don't, can't we just accept things as they are that we don't have to try and make them Mormon all the time and just Mormonize the whole world. That, that was something that was really, really bothering me at the time. Um, and, and kind of yeah, so throughout cult- this, but yeah. I cultural imperialism has bugged you for a long time probably because you served in japan yeah 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 and and, but also because i studied folklore studying folklore and studying the culture the way that i did and then like looking at other cultures like having my eyes opened up to uh how myopic we are and how you know like we look at ourselves like we're the standard that the all the rest of the world has to rise up to and it just i hated that yeah i mean we're and we're so parochial with our yeah. culture and then right. to try to imperialize that to the world is almost cartoonishly funny yeah yeah and i, I kind of had this this moment of realization in my uh academic pursuits you know that because it, when i when i wrote this believe it or not i still had aspirations to be a teacher at BYU you know that was something that i i wanted to do i wanted to teach folklore at BYU and I, I realized at some point as I was writing my dissertation and I was talking to all these people in my ward and, and just other Mormons in the area about humor and their views on humor that I realized that what I was seeing was contrary and pretty offensive to the way that they saw themselves. And, that, you know, so like I started seeing this and going, I, I don't have an audience, you know, I don't have an audience for my academic stuff. What I would say in a dissertation about Mormon humor, people at BYU would not be wanting me, you know, there. Cause I, and, <laughs> yep. and so I started realizing that I just didn't, I wasn't fitting in. Um, and, uh, that, that's one of the reasons why I just stopped the, the dissertation. I didn't even go forward with it. Cause it was like a punch in the gut to me with the whole thing. So anyway, well, you've inspired me to All like, right. I have uh, every letter I ever wrote home, my mom kept and put in a book, and it's in my basement. So having an artifact, to, like, cause, you know, you, you, you don't really remember accurately where you were as a missionary or where you were before you had your faith crisis. Right. But to have this art, these artifacts that are in my basement, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading through them, and maybe that will inspire me to do a podcast on that. Well, that'd be interesting, but that's painful. It's very painful. This is Karen from the United Arab Emirates. That's in the Middle East. And I am a light set on a hill in the midst of my Muslim brothers and sisters. At least that's what they tell me at church. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. 
And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Inside of the Weinstein truck, this really has nothing to do with this stuff at all. I just wanted to put Weinstein things in here. Uh, Sydney and Dennis ride in the front cab, scrunched between Sammy and Victor. Uh, what's, what's this? A CTW ring. It's a secret marketing tool for Utah. It means choose the Weinstein. Instead of choose the right. We thought of that. So it could also mean choose the white. For the kids with lisps. And the racists. <laughs> Uncomfortable pause. <laughs> what? Wow. This is a weird scene. It is. The, the, the Weinstein stuff is totally... Uh, yeah. So this is, this is your Jewish caricature, I guess, Weinstein. If the, you know, people have said that. They, like it, The Weinsteins came when I was a freshman at BYU. A friend of mine and I, we would crank call girls in the hall and we would do these voices that it was just a new york accent to us it wasn't jewish or anything and they it just we started talking about these products and it just like grew all these things so it's just kind of like an inside joke in my family i just put it in here because i thought it was funny but it doesn't really have anything to do with the (laughs) at all thanks again for the lift no problem. Uh, good place, Utah. <laughs> Big market out there. Huge. Ever since 91? 92. Oh, really? What do you guys sell? A little bit of this and a little bit of that. Dennis pulls out a box from behind him that is full of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young bobblehead dolls. <laughs> he pulls out one of each and watches them bobble. Nice. You like it? Good, good, good. But here's our premier device. Show him, Sammy. Introducing the new and improved Weinstein Kissomatic. Sammy hands them a small kissing machine with oversized lips and a slightly protruding tongue. He flips on a switch and the parts wiggle and gyrate. Sammy launches into his memorized presentation. The Weinstein Kissomatic comes in three different sizes and has 16 variable speeds. Has a little nozzle built in for slava control. The lips and tongue are made from synthetic latex with a special graft from skin from my brother Victor's rump. Mm, smooth as a baby's bottom. Basically. Well, you would know. <laughs> the Weinstein Kissomatic is basically a vibrator, but for kissing. <laughs> what the fuck sorry I just uh, that was me uh, the oh, Weinstein yeah. Kissomatic comes with a pair of tweezers to remove any unwanted hair and tube of ointment 
In case you should see something that looks like a cold sore. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sounds delightful. These puppies sell like hotcakes. Sammy offers it to Sydney. Oh, oh, our handheld model is particularly good for road trips. Uh, I think I'll pass. Suit yourself, but it's good, clean fun. Nothing at all immoral. That's how Sammy we market winks. it. Oh, sorry. Sammy. Sammy winks. That's how we market it. I'll take one. <laughs> What's that smell? Some kind of air freshener? It's delicious. See, and if I if I had this to rewrite again, I would have gone with the Weinstein anal tic tac here. Um, but instead, I went with. I would cut the Weinstein's. John, John says no. no. <laughs> really, cut the Jewish name out, man. This is like this is <laughs> your sleazy New York Jew shyster. But that's not. That, but there's nothing like like anti-Semitic about except it. for the name. But it's just a name. It's not like what is Jewish about this other than the name. The voices? Uh, it's, it's, to me, it was New York. It was never Jewish. I don't know. It was just funny that, that for a freshman at BYU that we're talking to girls on the phone about a Weinstein kissomatic that they, they'll win if they enter a contest. You know, we had this whole thing. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I did this at my dad's hey. wedding and at Missy's wedding. Well, we're not saying anyway. we're not saying this is intentional. We're just saying, in retrospect, it's insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I still don't see it. Like I don't. Well, I don't. don't it's to. like if you say, if you say that somebody's a Mexican, is that uh, you're you're being insensitive to them? <laughs> if you if you it's play like, them as like a, a stereotype. But what stereotype is this? I don't like. I don't know. I don't see. I don't see. Okay, it so there's a, a great line from The Office when Michael Scott goes. <laughs> Is there a less offensive word than Mexican that I can call you? The opposite? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. I see it more like, as Glenn is just the Mormon Judd Apatow. Like, he, he, he doesn't want to cut anything out. He just wants to do comedies yeah. that are two hours long or but, longer. But the thing is that insider jokes that were funny in your own household or whatever, oh, right. that, that, that kind of thing doesn't have any place yeah so in other words you're you're doing a thing that it was internally funny that you you're you're remembering how it being funny but it has to be established as funny in the right yeah it 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 would probably not make it if this were ever made into a movie because this thing would probably be five minutes long it'd be cut with everything else that's why i think (laughs) right okay uh so, uh, some kind of air freshener. That, my friend, is our second highest selling product. He hands Sydney a small bag of Hershey Kisses. Dennis takes one and puts it in his mouth. You like that? Sydney reads the label. Weinstein Hershey French Kiss? Got a juicy burst of slobber in the middle. Dennis spits the chocolate from his mouth. Real tongue was too expensive. And it ruined the chocolate. The world's most amorous candy. You've got to be kidding. Victor pops one into his mouth. Ooh la la. Dennis pulls out another... Well, thanks. Now nobody's laughing at it, and I feel like an ass. Because <laughs> it wasn't funny. <laughs> okay. okay, how about this next one? Dennis pulls out another small box from the Weinstein collection and reads from the label. Viagra Jello? Highly effective and so versatile in use. Just one minor setback. It stains. Ah. I... <laughs> No, it's Thane's. No, Viagra Jello. It's not funny. If if you saw the Jello like wobbling on the 
thing. Maybe. Like a little so box. Saying, with when somebody eats it, yeah. when somebody yeah. eats it, then it stains their mouth. So it's clear that they've taken some sort of performance-enhancing drug. Is that what you're saying? We hope. No, we hope that it stains something. We else. hope it stains their mouth. That's what we're hoping, yeah, not, Jake. Yes. Be, oh, oh. Just stay innocent. <laughs> stay innocent. <laughs> It's like balm. Okay. It's like balm. <laughs> it's, 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 you know what a balm is? You know what a balm does? Did I tell you? Who told you put a balm on? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. There's sirens, flashing lights. Oh, no, not again. Oh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I have Tom's lights. Pull over. They pull over. An officer speaks into the megaphone. This is the FDA. We know that you are... I'm sorry, we know what you are carrying. Step away from the vehicle and keep your hands in the air. Uh, yeah, this all this all should be cut. Wow. This, just, I don't <laughs> understand the scene. Like, what's the point? How does this, like, advance the, the plot? Please continue with the scene so we can finish yeah. the scene. Put your hands in the air and read your fucking lines. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones.